Hey there, internet friends, and welcome to That D Plus Show. Class is in session for the only show from that nerdy site that lets you know what kind of quality to expect right from the name. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey, and each week I sit down with a guest to talk about a Disney Plus offering of their choosing. This show is made possible entirely by the support of our patrons over at patreon.com slash thatnerdysite, so if you like the show and you can support us over there, we would definitely appreciate it, but if you can't, no big deal. The fact that you're listening is awesome, and of course I would love it if you like, subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends. Uh, no guest this week. It's another solo show here for me. Uh, and uh, for that, I wanted to sit down and talk about uh, another... It's it's a show we've actually already covered on this particular series. Um, I, I looked at a few more episodes of Disney Gallery The Mandalorian. Um, that's the kind of Disney Plus show behind the scenes uh, making of the first season of The Mandalorian. Um, previously, I sat down with Cameron. And we talked about the first few episodes of this series, um, discussing directing, legacy, and cast. Uh, that was back on episode uh, 20 of that D Plus show. Uh, I'm flying solo this week, but I wanted to sit down because I watched uh, the next three episodes, episodes four through six of this series, focusing on technology, practical, and process. And uh, I thought it was some, some fascinating stuff, so I wanted to sit down for a quick... Um, uh, not not too deep episode, but um, just kind of wanted to to focus on some of the highlights from there. Um, I don't really need to feel the need to dive into the history lesson and the who's who and whatnot because um, I I tackled a lot of that last time we did. But just real quick, um, this was originally released May fourth. Um, is when kind of these the this series of episodes started getting released around uh, the same time as another D plus show called Prop Culture which we've also done an episode of this show on. Um, the episodes are, you know, 20 to 30 minutes each, and uh, and uh, they are um, currently done releasing in the Disney timeline of things, um, but they, they basically released for uh, about eight weeks there um, from, uh, from May to June. Um, the director of this series is Brad Barra, um, who had been a producer on some Marvel items like one-shots, um, like uh, Item 47 and the Agent Carter one-shot. And he's also done a couple of documentary shorts about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and then as far as kind of the who's who and starring of these uh, the documentary series here, you have um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, kind of the showrunners of, of uh, The Mandalorian. You have uh, some of the season one directors, Deborah Chow, Rick, uh, Rick Famuyu. Famuyiwa, I screwed that up the first time too, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and Taika Waititi. You also have, um, of course, Kathleen Kennedy as kind of the overseeing ex- executive producer of uh, the Star Wars kind of uh, brand these days. Uh, and then uh, uh, new voices uh, in these series of episodes. Uh, the last episode we kind of talked about had uh, had some of the actors. And while they make uh, appearances here and there in these trio, um, the the real trio I want to kind of highlight in in their stead this time around is Richard Bluff, who is a visual effects supervisor, John Knoll, who is the uh, industrial light and magic visual effects supervisor, and Hal Hickel, who's the uh, animation director uh, of the series. Um, all of them kind of get a little bit more. Um, time around the the round table that uh that you have like john favreau and dave filoni sitting around um i think it's the three of them uh filoni favreau and kathleen kennedy are kind of like one of the sets of round tables that they they shot a lot of discussions around this um so just kind of going through these episodes uh, in trivia there isn't too much um on this show in particular there will be much more when we actually sit down and do a discussion around the Mandalorian series as a whole. But um, for this 
um, I yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk through these three episodes that I sat down with: technology, practical, and process. Um, so, technology uh, is all about kind of how um, Lucas' film has always been kind of on the cutting he- edge of technology and always trying to push things forward. And the big showcase that The Mandalorian really features and, and gets a lot of feature across these three episodes is uh, this this state-of-the-art technology um, that they've kind of christened the volume. And it's basically like a 360-degree room, uh, it seems, of like L- uh, like LED um, screens that they can project um, kind of uh, 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 animatics and, and whatnot. Um, and and th- in doing so, they talk about how um, it's kind of the next evolution of like the green screen or blue screen technology because when you're doing green screen or blue screen, you don't necessarily get the lighting right because they're going to put something in post that's going to be, um, you know, it's going to have a dynamic that the people lighting the set that day and lighting the actors that day are not actually seeing. So um, what the volume allows and what kind of the the wall of LED lights uh, or uh, LED screens allows is uh, they show really cool kind of footage of um, the like they'll they'll do a scene on Tatooine and the LED wall is the pre-rendered background in a game engine of on Tatooine and it's tied to the camera position so as the camera moves the um the the, what you're seeing on the led wall moves as well and um and they kind of show um in particular some cases like the um the lava in uh the lava river in one of the later episodes of the mandalorian they kind of show you know the the cast in their you know makeshift boat and all the led walls and everything are showing kind of the the lava cave moving um alongside the camera along with the camera and so you like they it's basically that is the virtual background but there it it's there physically and it's there on set so they can so the actors can see it um and and kind of react and respond to it um in addition to uh to the the people on set can light things appropriately and they do a great mix of kind of blending real life props and and set dressing and stuff to help you know build out the physical environment but then around the led here they have kind of the background they talk about um a lot of times you know they would have like part of the ship on set physically but then the rest of it is just the the led screen the volume um uh, uh representation of it and uh and they would they they talk about you know having uh, to or having fun playing the game, like is that real or is that in the volume? Um, and uh, and it looked really cool. Just kind of the the way they're using, um, in particular, I one of the things I loved about this set of episodes is they talk very much about how um, the volume is basically a partnership with Epic Games, and it is using game engine technology to um, really try and move a lot of the stuff forward. A lot of the stuff John Favreau has been doing since. Um, the Jungle Book, and then with uh, later with The Lion King and stuff, he'll get in there and he'll kind of like shoot a film in virtual reality, or he'll kind of like plot out a scene and map it out. He'll throw on and they show kind of uh, footage of it. Um, he'll hop into um, into like a VR headset and he'll kind of like map out and say, "This is where I want this kind of scene. This here's where I want the cameras to kind of play, and here's how I want." to you know to to play around with the scene and um it's really cool that they're kind of utilizing that and and like thinking about it in terms of um 
you know, if you're playing a, a character in The Last of Us, which I've been playing um, the last few days, you're playing The Last of Us Part Two, and you turn, you know, Ellie, um, like the world gets created in milliseconds before your eyes um, that isn't there. It's not like just sitting, you know, off camera or something like that. It is being visibly rendered. Um, uh, you can see this in uh, in some great kind of like gifts and stuff. I remember be, first being blown away, really seeing um, how they did this kind of stuff with like Horizon Zero Dawn, where um, they would basically you have like the whole world um, kind of like very loosely framed out, but only the the stuff that's in the scope of the camera is ever being like physically rendered. And so as the camera moves, parts of the world that aren't being worried about are are being gone or being deleted and and they're making you know they're rendering the the world that you're now trying to look at so the what they're doing here with the volume is they're taking that same kind of technology and putting it into a live action space so that if you're you know mapping out a set and a scene on Tatooine you've got the canyons in the desert backdrop in this L, uh, LED you know 360 degree wall that the set team can light and and if they if they wanted to change it you know to a nighttime scene or something in the on on the day of shooting they could have kind of the the game engine kind of people come in go into the code change move the move the sun in the uh in the the visualization um turn it to like a nighttime scene and then the physical lighting on set would adjust and and they would uh they would uh, kind of uh, turn it into a night scene and and so just a really cool way of of how they are using technology once again to kind of put things forward and and even George Lucas kind of makes an appearance um cuz they brought him on set to to look and see at this this cool stuff and it's it's the kind of things he was really trying and would have loved to have for the prequels but the technology wasn't there yet um and so he was very excited to kind of get to see how they're using technology to continue pushing um the 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 scope of what kind of stories are possible in the star wars universe so um, that was the the technology episode the practical episode of course on the complete flip side um very much gets uh this is where the child um or baby yoda gets um a huge kind of a showcase um and really all the animatronics um also the uh, kind of the ugnaught um uh quibble quequil whatever um um that character was I, I forget its name at this point um but like that one gets uh was was very much a physical kind of like onset presence um and so yeah they they talk about um how cool it was to get to do a lot of that um practical effects uh, for elements like that for especially for the 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 child is really the one that they they used to kind of showcase so much of uh um, it's, it's, it's versatility as a puppet. Um, and this is where they delve into the story that came out, um, uh, in the, uh, in the kind of the sh- short aftermath of the Mandalorian where Werner Herzog was very much, um, you know, fell in love with the child, with the puppet. Um, and, uh, Deborah Chow kind of talks about how like he would be directing the puppet, um, because Werner Herzog is also a director and stuff. And so as an actor, he was 
directing the the puppet in the way that he might also direct an, another actor he's in a scene with or something like that and the puppeteers are off kind of like trying to incorporate the things he's doing because um the the thing was just so lifelike and realistic and this is also where you get that story of Werner Herzog basically when they would try and do a second shot with plates that would end up being like you know mapped out for visual effects or something like that Werner Herzog was is is this is where he would say you know they were a coward and um and they should commit to doing it with the physical puppet because it's so beautiful and and he even kind of talks um in a in an interview to the camera about how it's it's magical um and uh it was really cool to see kind of all that and and remember all those stories that were coming out when the Mandalorian came out and kind of see all that flooding back and again it just reminded me how much when those first episodes were coming out. I tweeted that something to the effect of like all these people knew about baby Yoda for months and, and never told any of us. And it's just like, I'm, I'm angry that like Bill Burr knew about baby Yoda for months more than I did. Um, because once baby Yoda was introduced into our lives, uh, you know, nothing was ever the same. Um, and case in point, 2020 has had a significant lack of baby Yoda and 2020 has sucked a lot of ass. Uh, I'm just going to say that. Um, but yeah, uh, just again, uh, the, the, for these two episodes in particular, um, thinking about the technology, um, his, the historical like legacy of technology in, um, in, uh, in, uh, Star Wars, as well as the, you know, the legacy of the practical effects in Star Wars, um, is really cool kind of seeing them explore both of these, uh, cases across each of those episodes. And then the last episode that I actually just finished watching right before I sat down to record here, uh, is talking about the process, which is again, very much built off of like the advancements in technology. Um, and they talk about how for this series in particular, one of the things that they did was they basically did, they they mapped out um, like they they had the scripts and then they storyboarded everything and then they did a previs run of the entire series of every episode um, and a previs run basically is pre visualization that's um, like animatics and stuff like that C- like CG animatics so they show uh, across the um, across the the episode they would kind of show like here's what the thing looked like in previs and then here's what the final scene looked like and it was a way they uh, John Favreau talks in particular about how um, doing it that way let the directors commit to ideas early on um, and if those ideas failed um, they were easier and cheaper to fix back in the previs run of things as opposed to when you've got 30 people around a set um, that you, like and and trying it there and it not working so um, really cool that they're kind of uh, like it's it's weird because they talk about this in the in the the um, the practical side of things too the idea that that's somehow a cheaper method of, of doing things that CG is a cheaper method than doing it stuff with miniatures and, and a lot of times real model stuff. It's like, I, that blows my mind as somebody who grew up with like stuff like independence day and, and going and seeing like on an IMAX screen, a big documentary thing about the, um, the special effects teams and the pyrotechnics teams behind movies like independence day, building out those miniature models of the white house or of the empire state building or, or stuff like that. Um, and then blowing them all up. It's it it blows my mind that technology um, has become so much more efficient and effective that they can do all of that in in technology and, and CGI and computers and stuff cheaper than they can building out a, a you know a specific model or something like that. Um, so the fact that they 
did the entire series in previs and, and had kind of CGI renders before they would show up on, on the day of a set. Um, basically like that would help them help guide them, get the shots they need to get on the day of. Um, and they, and, and, um, John Favreau and Taika Waititi both kind of talk about how, um, a lot of the idea behind that is modeled off of the Marvel movie reshoots, um, in particular. Um, cause once you, once you're, when you're going back for reshoots, they talk about like, you know, exactly what you're trying to, what you're there to do. And so, uh, let's say Taika Waititi talked about on like Thor when they went back for th- Thor Ragnarok reshoots um he said they did something like 350 shots over the course of like five days or something like that which is absurd and crazy and 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 whatnot but they they know exactly what they need in in uh in Marvel reshoot land and so they they've become a very efficient and well-oiled machine in doing that and so um uh John Favreau having done the Iron Man films um very much was in the same boat of like doing all of this stuff in previs um, means that one once you're there on the day of shooting, um, you already have a, a much better understanding and and scope and idea of what the the end product should look like. So you're that much closer to getting that end product by the end of the day, kind of thing. And so, um, just a, a, again, a trio of really cool and very insightful um, uh, episodes here of uh, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian basically behind the scenes on uh, on the mandalorian which again is is you know a great show on uh, on disney plus i know it, uh, some people kind of um uh are, are a little bit more hit or miss on it but i loved it from start to finish um and getting to dive into kind of a lot of the stories behind the technology of this getting to see john favreau throw on like vr headsets and and block out a scene or um uh or or stunt guys kind of wearing mocap suits to block out a fight sequence that then gets taken into previs and then that previs basically gets turned into and 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 done through the the live action stuff um and you get to see basically how it all plays out from kind of start to finish and you get to see each of the steps throughout the process just really cool stuff and i really enjoy it so um if you're not checking out disney gallery the mandalorian I highly recommend it. Um, I, I I don't remember what I gave the the first ep- set of episodes, but I give these three episodes an A. Um, I thought it was uh, again just really cool, really smart and insightful stuff um, f- from very um, uh, smart and insightful people um, involved in the production. So definitely check it out if you have not, or if you are not already checking it out. Um, there are two other episodes that I have not uh, that we've not yet covered here on that D Plus show for uh, score and connections. Um, uh, there may be ultimately somewhere down the line, uh, basically what I need to do another filler episode of that D plus show. I might do a Disney gallery, the Mandalorian part three that tackles those last couple episodes, but, um, definitely check out this show. Um, extra credit, uh, same as the extra credit last time around. Uh, of course the Mandalorian, um, being the, the first and foremost, if you like this series, hopefully you'll have already seen the Mandalorian. Um, uh, Otherwise, you also have Empire of Dreams, the Star Wars um, documentary, uh, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, The Clone Wars film, Star Wars Rebels, and A New Hope. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's it. I know I don't have any extracurriculars because really I've, I've been uh, head down into The Last of Us Part Two the last few days. So um, so this was uh, just something I kind of 
hop in pretty quickly to sit down and watch these episodes and crank out uh, a quick episode here of That D Plus Show for you. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of That D Plus Show. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you can follow me at Trevor J. Starkey on Twitter. Uh, you can follow all of the latest from That Nerdy Site over at thatnerdysite.com. Um, if you are... Uh, a fan of Persona 5 Royal, um, Cameron, Frank, and I sat down and did a spoiler cast episode of that show, uh, of that uh, of, of that nerdy site show, um, talking about Persona 5 Royal. Um, dove into that for a couple hours. Uh, it was great getting to sit down and chat with those guys about that. So check that out on the site. Um, if you would like to be on the show, you can go to thatnerdysite.com slash dplusguest and fill out the little uh, Google form there to let me know kind of what Disney Plus offering you would like to chat about. Um, or just hit me up on Twitter. Um, that's also a, a, a good way of doing things just to keep things on my radar because I'm admittedly not always great about checking that form as diligently as I should. And I definitely still have people on that form that have been on that form for months that I need to reach out and uh, and try and coordinate with. So apologies for slipping and slacking on that. But if you liked what you heard, please like, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends and all that fun stuff. And if you do feel so inclined, you can always help support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash that nerdy site. Thank you for joining us, joining me, uh, no us this time around. Uh, As always, stay nerdy and be good to each other. Class dismissed.